and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Basca, and today I will be speaking with Daniel Zarvos, the director of a new documentary celebrating the legendary Brazilian singer Musha, the voice of Bossa Nova. It's such a pleasure to watch your film. One of the things that is so incredible about this film that you've created with Lilian is looking at the life of this wonderful musician who I grew up hearing her voice. Oh, really? Because wow. my father was a jazz musician mm-hmm. who worked with Stan Getz at one point. And so for me, this was a legend that I heard. Wow, that's incredible. About Joao Gilberto and Jobim in general. And so for me, this was just magical watching this. And so I am so happy that you're bringing this to a wide audience at Toronto now. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what inspired you to work on this story of Mucha. Well, I think what really inspired me was her. I mean, just by being with her, together with her, and by 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 her personality and everything. And and then her stories, the way she told stories. And then Lillian Mucci and I, we, we met her at one point in Paris, once down Saint-Germain-de-Prés, and and we started having this conversation. She told us about her life, how she met Jean Joubert. So we got to make a movie. That was like 10 years ago, 212. And then five years after, we said, no, now we're going to make the movie. And I asked, Lily, you sure you want to make a movie about her? I mean, she's wonderful, but it's going to be tough. So we said, no, no, we got to do it. We got to do this. I said, okay, let's do it. And when I say, you sure? Because once I decide to do something, I, 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 I'm not very like plural... I just stick to one thing, <laughs> and when we decided, well, we did work in other things, but mainly was this desire to tell her story, to to take her place in history, because, like you said, you know that Stan Getz, you heard her voice, but maybe you didn't know her name, and she's someone who really deserves to be credited and to have her her importance in Brazilian music. Absolutely. And world music, too. I will frankly confess, I never knew her name until this documentary came along. I knew the voice very well, very intimately and familiarly, but I never really had that association. And so being able to hear all of these incredible and powerful stories about her relationship with Gilberto, and then obviously the somewhat bullying nature of Stan Getz, which I also Mm -hmm. heard from my own father. But what did your father say? What did your father play? Uh, Saxophone. Oh my God, then he must have really bullied him. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) it's funny, though, to see these parallel stories as well. Because it's it's interesting, like uh, that moment where she talks about and gets about how how possessive he was about his music Mm -hmm. goes bass. So he said that like the bass player comes in and then after a while he starts like stamping. Yeah. Like he mixed the record one day and then when he left, he makes it where he puts the sax much higher. Yep. And and that's why João Gilberto, he... Jean Gilberto wanted to like to fist him in the face. It was like really, really strong what happened. And uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also interesting hearing her talk about her relationship with her husband and wanting permission to go out and record records, but feeling like she needed to free herself. Being a woman in that kind of a space at that kind of time was certainly a very difficult thing. And I love how you approached that. And I wanted to ask... How did you reconcile that as a male collaborator on this story? Were the feminine part something that you both took up? Well, I think we we both took took part, but I think this extra uh, sensitivity to these uh, issues and questions that raised up 
I, I think the fact that we had Lillian Mucci write the screenplay, and we had Lillian Mucci direct with me, and that, that we directed together, I think that's what really added to this. And it also, it came as we we were doing the film, and eventually we would receive more letters, we received new new parts diaries, and we would put this together. And she had the sensibility of like, no, let's talk this, let's really because this is a real feminist issue, and. And some, and I think it was a, it's a really like a collaborative. It's something that maybe I might, if if I had done the film alone, we, this film is only possible because both of us came together, mm-hmm. and we really like worked on 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 putting this in in terms of writing, in terms of the writing is all Musha's writings, but we we mm-hmm. reassemble them, yeah, and in in picking up particular moments. So it's it's I mean. This is a feminist film because Lillian Mucci is in the film. Because mm-hmm. it's like she says, you know, man cannot be a feminist. So I, I can advocate. I can. Yeah. And, and I mean, in my life, you know, like um, in my family, women have always been the the sort of leaders of the the house and everything. And and even my the male characters in in, in my in my family, they we're all very like. Uh, Pro woman, uh, it's uh, not pro woman. It's like we're all very like uh, matriarchal in a way, like yeah. And and so, but it was definitely ha- having Lillian Mucci and I doing it together. That and the, actually, the truth is, I asked her, "You sure you want to do this film?" Because then after I went at it and I really like got everything going. But I mean, if she wasn't, if it wasn't for her insistence, I might have just let go go by, mm-hmm. even though I really wanted to to make justice to Mucci. And it's so wonderful, though, that you were able to collaborate and to create such a beautiful work that combines animation as well as personal diary and letters and so forth. What was the thing that was hardest for you to not include for some reason or another? Was there something that you had to exclude from the final cut of the film that really hurt you? No, I, th- I think the f- everything in the film is there. I mean, we, we're like putting it together like a puzzle. Not, but in a way, a puzzle because the pieces were lost and then we assembled them together. Uh, I, I don't know. Now when, when I see it, I, I really think, oh, maybe I could still go there and change one finger or the other, like an image. But I can't really like put anything extra. It's just like so concise. I mean, we did take out a few songs. We did take out... Um, from the the first the previous cut we had uh, some moments where she talked and um well may- maybe i yeah but it's because it's all we we found the unity and a certain harmony in everything mm-hmm. so that's wonderful and, and we want to put her as a, as a strong woman so like so it's kind of kind of interesting i mean and well what you see is the director's cut <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So few people have complete confidence in their cut after they've been working on a documentary for so many years. So often, I think people find that they have to excise their darlings and cut things that they really devotedly love. Well, I I, I worked with the editor, uh, Isabel Castro. And and even after we worked with another editor called uh, Daniela Ramalho, but uh, Isabel, would, she said that was the first director who, who cut everything. Mm-hmm. I'd go just like, 
but I usually I cut everything and I put then I bring everything together again. It's like everyone has this process. I go through this process where I I, I cut the most and then I come back and but uh, yeah because it, and the film it it starts to take a, it, I think you reach a, a film when it's even though a piece of writing maybe when it, when you suddenly see them materialized mm-hmm. and it's and then I look at it and it, of course I know how I got there but it, it seems like it's already something on its own you know it exists on its own therefore I cannot say oh I cut this why didn't I put it because we really worked hard on this we worked we edited for like two years almost mm-hmm. and we worked on it for five years and we stop we go back new things would come in. So we had many versions of the film. That's incredible. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about when you first heard Mucha's music yourself? Well, I grew up with these songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mucha, she's my cousin. She's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, she's a very good friend of my grandmother. She was. And, and so, and these, and, and Tom Jobim and, uh, uh, all these songs are just like part of our, like, uh, like our cultures, like listening to, I don't know, being from New York and listening to Frank Sinatra, if you're like, or it's just, it's just something so present, like songs like Waters of March or Double Rainbow or songs like A Gente Vai Levando, which are later on. They're just all these songs. And we actually even would like that to sort of try to revive a bit of the musical genre Mm -hmm. of this era, because I think the musical genre comes also with a, a revival of like uh, of how we deal with relationships, how we deal with, with people, with friends. And I think that's very important. I like that idea. I certainly would love a revival of Bossa Nova as an art form. And a revival of interest in it, too, I think, is well overdue. Yes. Uh, hopefully this film will be a stepping stone for this revival. I hope so. Uh, with the with the progress that we've made and the 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 conquest for 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 women for for the more equality and things like that, but definitely a revival of the music, of a revival of the genre, a revival, even the yeah, all, all that's bossa nova really stands for, which is it's it's also a way of life. I think a way of looking at things. Yeah, it's a completely different way of life and a completely different way of exploring your own thinking in yes, certain ways. Because it's 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 sophisticated, but at the same time, it's simple. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's uh, harmonically complicated doesn't make it less popular. Yeah. The fact that you have these colorful chords, these, you have beautiful tunes. And so I think it's, it's really, it takes you, like jazz, it takes you a little bit further sometimes than yeah. the, you know, the, the progressive, like, uh, one, four, five chords sort of thing. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And I really hope that our audience can discover and come to this music and learn a little bit about Mucha's world through both your film and a renewed study of Bossa Nova, (laughs) if they haven't already had the pleasure of that. I just am so grateful for your film. As a child, I grew up listening to her voice and to that one album with Stan Getz a lot. Oh, Uh, wonderful. And my father just would constantly sing the praises of Gilberto and Jobim and just be always constantly talking about it. And so this was just such a joy to watch this documentary. 
Oh, thank you so much. And I think that the importance of Miush is because she actually, she made it possible because mm -hmm. she was the centerpiece of that, you know. Now, when we talk a lot, we say that uh, Miush made Jean Joubert because after Jean 58, mm -hmm. maybe after 62, Jean Joubert might have just sort of been lost and you'd have like this thing in the past. The fact that he kept reinventing himself and all that was because she was there. And and the fact that he recorded another album, Stengetz, was only because Miusha was there. And so it's really like unfair what they did, that when you have the album, she's on the cover. Mm -hmm. She makes everything possible. She she drags Jean Joubert into the studio. She sings four songs, and she's not even credited. It's like those things that the... How you see how how misogynist the musical industry is. Mm-hmm. And mm. there's so much of that that still goes on today in, in certain ways, but back then was, I'm sure, much worse. It's true. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, unfortunately, it's not something that has has ended. I mean, yeah, we still we still see this. Yeah, but, but it's so wonderful to see her being given her due in this documentary. Yeah. I think that was like what really moved us to do that because. We were just moved by by her in every moment. Every moment that we, we were with her, she's just this powerful woman, this powerful presence where you like, you suddenly, there's sometimes you're with certain people, they just feel like something's happening. You're like, I don't know, it's maybe you have like a musician friend or something, or like, I don't know, or maybe it's, it's maybe the barber, I don't know. But there's like some people where when you're with them, you just feel like you're living a particular moment in history, in life, and and Musha was like that, and we really wanted to like to correct her place in, in history and like that. And I think even for it's for Brazil, but also for like for music in the world. Mm -hmm. That album of Stengetz is amazing. It is. It's absolutely phenomenal. And it's not only that, but her whole life's body of work that you hear in the documentary is just revelatory. Yes. It's just magical to hear. Well, thank you so much for, for, for watching. And for me, it's so special. The fact that you, your father was a plate of Sting Getz and all that is just so so nice to be able to connect with you and, and to understand that we both have this thing. When we listen to these songs, a whole, everything comes along. When we, right? So many yeah. memories and different memories can come uh, with, with these songs. Completely different. And I will also tell you, when I went to Brazil myself, it was just a whole other level. I didn't manage to get to Rio, unfortunately, but going to Sao Paulo and Brasilia, yes. just hearing the music in that context was so completely different too. And so there's such a sense of place to the music as well. Yes, it's true. It, it does reflect the mood of the the Brazilian way of being, yeah. and the Brazilian way, and uh, also with this uh, convergence and this mix with the world, because it's yeah, bossa nova, samba, and jazz is mix. Yeah, yeah, yes. And, and Ariel, we're also going to have a, a version in English of the film. Oh, wonderful! Where, uh, Miusha stays with her voice, mm -hmm. but uh, the narrator, which is actually uh, is Silvia Buarque, who's Chico Buarque's daughter and Miusha's niece. And she was chosen by Miusha while well, Miusha was alive to be her voice, to read her letters. We we really want this film to to reach a real wide audience. I mean, and so we we have uh, this uh, the actress and singer Audra McDonald. Oh, wonderful! Miusha's voice, and so we're hopefully to to include that pretty soon. 
And we would open in that way to be able to include uh, as many viewers as possible because it's a, it's a story that has to be to be told and I think many of us can relate to her story and, mm-hmm. and see our own story in, in, in Musha's life. I completely agree and I'm so glad you're doing that because I do think that for most audiences as it is now it's amazing but perhaps you can reach some more people that way and I think if you want to create a musical reawakening working yes. with Audra McDonald is a wonderful way to make that happen. Yeah, we we want to revive the genre. Yeah. And we also want the people to see to take in her story to their own lives and see how because we all have to struggle with, with with something. And then I think Musha's life is really about like the struggling with our like our inner barriers and exterior barriers. But we, we first have to win our inner inner limits to then face the exterior. Yeah. And the inner ones sometimes are even harder to 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 beat. Well, thank you so very much. This has been delightful. I wish you good luck with the success of this film and thank you. I hope everything goes great at TIFF. I look forward to possibly talking to you again. Yes, we'll talk to each other soon. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of land stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land, and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes. We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. (laughs) 